$167,000. I'll shuttle for one dance with Domino. Can you play any other tune? Something we're making for the Americans. It's called a ghetto blaster. May I cut in? It's a charming tune. Welcome to the 37th episode of Bond Music 6 of the Best. This is our ongoing series discussing the Bond movie soundtracks and beyond. But, you know, we're not going to go too far beyond in this episode. Because this time around, we revisit The World Is Not Enough. And much like Tomorrow Never Dies, the good folks at La La Land Records have released a special two-disc limited edition CD set that includes about 40 more minutes of additional music from The World Is Not Enough, not found on that original soundtrack release. And we're going to take a look at those 40 or so extra minutes. I think it's 11 tracks. I actually counted this time. <laughs> I remember last time I didn't count them. But it's 11 tracks. And if you want a more in-depth review of The World Is Not Enough soundtrack as a whole, we definitely recommend you scroll back in our back catalog to episode 13 of Six of the Best from November of 2020. Who's we? Well, we is Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. I'm here with my best friend in life, Mr. Alan J. Porter. Welcome back, Alan. Thank you, Jared. Really, three years ago since we did The World I know. <laughs> Like this just adds up. It, adds it does. Up. Amazing. So I can't believe it, man. We've been doing this for a while. Certainly have, and it's nice to actually get back to one of the one of the. Sound- I mean, I love doing the spin-off stuff, like you oh, know, yeah. the fun stuff we did last time, and I think what we've got lined up for the next episode is going to be interesting. So I love doing these, as you said, outlier stuff. But at the end of the day, we started off doing the soundtracks with Raymond, and then we carried on into the rest of the. The soundtracks and that's the heart i think of this show is the mm-hmm. soundtracks so it's always fun to get back to one i concur i concur and if you're new to the show we want to say welcome here on six of the best we you know take an album and we discuss it and we take turns of who's got the lead on each episode i've got the lead on this one which basically means of those 11 tracks that we're going to be talking about today i picked three of my favorites and from those that were left Alan picked three of his favorites, and, you know, we're going to talk about it. So that's what you got in store ahead on this episode. So the question comes up, how did we first hear about or discover this album, this two-disc special edition, The World Is Not Enough, little expanded David Arnold, if you will. How did you hear about it, Alan? I guess I knew about it from when it was released. You know, I saw the buzz online, folks talking about it. Didn't get around to picking up a copy, and as I'm sure you will cover, there it was a released number of copies. So uh, as the folks who listened in to the last episode will know, Jared very kindly sent me a copy as a three-level mystery parcel that seemed to take me forever <laughs> to actually open. It was a nice surprise. So thank you, Jared. Is now top of the stack of my Bond CDs, giving it... Quite a few listens in the last few days. I will be honest. I after the last episode, I sort of semi forgot, and then it was like, "Oh my god, we've got an episode." You you sent me a text that said, "Hey, I've picked my three, and I got started on the scripts." I'm like, "Oh yeah, we've got a podcast at the end of the week. I should listen to the <laughs> album." It's been a late but 
many repeats listened over the last few days. Uh, we kind uh, of have that in common because we are recording this on October 1st, which is a Sunday. So if you're looking at your calendar, you're like, okay, September's done. You flip it over and say, you got a podcast. <laughs> you got to record a podcast immediately, right? That's, that's yeah. how it got to happen to me too. <laughs> yeah. You look at the month and it's like, oh, I've got any podcasts this month. Okay. We've done Rogue Agents and I've done this and I've done that. I'm good for the rest of it. And as you say, and then it flicks over and it's like, oh my God, we got one at the end of the week. Um, so. First day of the month, be there. So here we are recording this. I probably discovered it just because occasionally, you know, every couple months, I just go to La La Land site to see what they've got because I've purchased a few things from them over the years. And every time I see a bond one pop up, of course, I get it. And that's how I found out about this one. I'm surprised they don't send you notification by carrier pitching or something, the amount of stuff that you buy from them. Right. Especially if a James Bond thing comes out, yeah. like the CEO should show up to my house and be like, hey, man. <laughs> Like yeah. with a briefcase and just like <laughs> open it up. Like, here you go. Oh, okay. Because I'm going to buy it. By the way, it's a double taking carrier pigeon. It oh, yes. Normal carrier pigeon. <laughs> Not a regular one. A double I love it. All right. Let's get into a quick uh, summary and I guess history around this album. Not a lot of history. Again, if you want that deeper dive into it, it's episode 13, like we said, back in November of 2020. Go check that out where we got a lot of our information. Uh, this was one of the last ones I think we were able to use the John Burlingame book for. That book kind of like ran out, I want to say somewhere around Casino Royale. <laughs> so This is very visual, so just imagine the sound, the sound of flicking pages. <laughs> the one I have finishes with Quantum. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so we were definitely still in our John Burlingame phase. That's a great book, by the way. You guys should check that out. But uh, for more information, again, episode 13, November of 2020. This two-disc special edition CD was actually released on November 27th, 2018 by La La Land Records and limited to 5,000 copies, which means when I ordered these two copies for Alan and I, uh, we might have got the last two copies because, by the way, they are sold out. They came out in 18, and here we are almost five, five years later, almost five years later, and they're sold out. Wow, I think you've got to sit under the wire. Well I think I did. I, I thought I was like, I was like, oh, this is relatively new. Oh, no. Somehow I had missed the boat on that. I don't know how I did that. I want to say when I used to go look, because I do like I said I go there regularly. I want to say I looked and they were out for a while. They might have brought another set back. I don't know. But anyway, they're out now. The average user rating on Discogs.com gives this album a 4.64 out of 5. Pretty good ranking there. It was 30 bucks when you bought it from La La Land Records. Like I said, it's sold out now. So now if you want this double disc, you're going to have to go to somewhere like eBay. And man, they are going for 5200 now. So once again, we struck just in time. A little nice bonus if you buy this double disc limited edition La La Land version, which you apparently have to get on the secondary market now. But a nice bonus about it is the CD booklet inside. It's about 30 pages long with a good history of the film written by Tim Grieving. And it's got a lot of cool information in there. Uh, just kind of a neat little back in the day when you used to put on a cassette or a CD, you just read the liner notes. There's like plenty to read while you're listening. If you would like to do that, Tim does a really good job on that. And that's about it for this one. Again, we're we're kind of uh, rehashing this and really going to focus on that uh, unreleased music, those 11 tracks. So. Alan, your thoughts on the album overall, or if you want to focus on the 11 tracks or what your experience was like with this new version? 
Uh, well, like you said, it's three years since we actually did the deep dive into the main soundtrack. So it was actually fun revisiting that over the last few days. I mean, there are obviously certain cues that, you know, intimately familiar with and you know instantly. But there was some that I'd actually just forgotten. So I just enjoyed listening and re-listening to the main soundtrack anyway. And then there's the sort of joy of discovery of the unreleased cues, of course, with the added pressure of, oh, my God, I've got to pick three. And Jared's probably picked the, the my favorite three right out of the bat. So, which you actually hadn't. No, I just really enjoyed re-listening to it. And as you say, these Lala Lambs are a great package. That's, what was it, 32 pages, that CD yeah. booklet yeah. that comes with it. Great, because there's new interviews in there. I mean, they actually do quote from John Burlingame's book uh, or a couple of David Arnold quotes from John's book. But there's actually also quotes from other interviews that I hadn't seen before. So I thought that was good. Uh, interview with the director. And it, yeah, it was just a really nicely packaged package. That's really bad English, Alan. <laughs> but it was really nice. It was a really nicely put together set of both the music and the background information as well. I concur. The La La Land folks always do it right. So, yeah, this was definitely a cool one. And, you know, with that, let's go ahead and get into our picks. All right, folks, I had to pick the first three. I haven't scrolled down far enough on our script to see what Alan has picked. I left one that I was really hoping he picked. Hang on, let me just peek. Yep, he picked it. Good. Okay. <laughs> Basically, I didn't want to take both. Sorry, I was just going to say, we we know each other too damn well after two. Two. <laughs> five years and however many episodes, 30. I, did, I didn't want on. to take both of the demo tracks. I don't want to spill too much too early in the episode, but I was like, I'll pick one and I hope Alan takes the other one. So you did. You did. Okay. Awesome. Right. Anyway, enough of our secret code. Let's get into it. My first track is track eight. By the way, these are all going to be from disc two. It's the last 11 tracks of disc two of the set. I took track eight, which is gun barrel separate track elements. Basically, this is really interesting because you get the two main layers of the very first music heard in the film. You get the orchestral stuff, which I love, especially the Spanish guitar that comes in at the end. Because if you remember, that gun barrel goes right to Spain. They're in Spain. Bil Bilbao, Bilbo, however, I don't know how they pronounce it. It's something Spanish, though. Bilbo's the guy from the, <laughs> the Lord of the Rings. I don't, Lord of the listen, Rings. don't do pronunciation and we don't know instruments. Okay? Just, I, think it's, I think it's Bilbao, but I don't know in Spanish. Lazy Anglo-American, I think its uh, pronunciation is Bilbao, but uh, it's probably slightly different in Spanish. But, probably uh, more exciting. Yeah, but it is definitely not Bilbo. That is a completely other guy. <laughs> if only I knew someone who spoke Spanish. I'll have to <laughs> Anyways, I like that Spanish guitar quite a bit. And then after you hear that, you hear the very techno-influenced side of Arnold. Having the two tracks split up was a lot of fun, so much so that I listened to it. And then I actually pulled up the movie because I was like, I want to hear what it sounds like in movie. And I played it and it was so cool. It was so cool to see them come together. So I don't know. I just thought this was quirky and interesting. So you're actually going to hear the orchestral part and then the techno part separately. And then if you're like me, you'll go check out the uh, official beginning to the movie and you'll hear them blended together.
All right, Alan, what did you think about that? A little, little, was it fun for you too? It was, and I did exactly the same as you. After listening to the track, I actually went on YouTube and watched a, the clip of the opening just to listen to the, the two pieces together. I'd like to get more of that or maybe on some of these extended releases is, is where they actually deconstruct the different pieces of the music. I, I like that. I was actually today, I, I've forgotten the name of it already, but I was reading a, a piece and somebody was talking about a YouTube channel that is like, I don't know, they do like 20 seconds clips where they actually deconstruct the layering and sampling of a, of a rap song. And it sounded fascinating. And I actually, they'd actually done one on Yellow Submarine. Hmm. How that had actually come together from its raw state through to the polished state and the, the way it had been layered and sampled. And I know Yellow Submarine is not a rap song before somebody texts But it, it went from rap to other stuff and then to a couple of Beatles tracks. It just made me think, I, with the Bond stuff, I'd like to like this track. I'd like to maybe discover some more of that and understand from our very limited musical knowledge, which we demonstrate on a regular basis. But I'd, li- I'd like to see or hear how a lot of these tracks are laid and what, what the individual pieces are made up of. And this was a great, great example of doing that. It doesn't have to be long, like I said, 20, 30 seconds of it, but I found it very instructive. I concur. Yeah, I definitely liked the Spanish guitar and the castanets. Just wanted to prove that I did. I, we do know a couple of instruments on this show. <laughs> With that... Let's get into my second pick. And I feel like I picked this one when we did the original album. I don't remember three years ago what (laughs) tracks I picked. But man, I was excited to listen to track nine, which was Welcome to Baku, film version, which leads me to believe there's probably a soundtrack version that we covered. And I probably picked it because, man, it is the Bond theme mixed in with a little bit of the world is not enough theme. It's smooth and seductive. And then about halfway through, it gets really rhythmic and adventurous. It's a very, very James Bond track. It's sort of like a summary of the adventures of James Bond in a musical way. And I thought it was just a lot of fun. So I might have picked it before. If so, let's listen to it again. This is track nine off the disc two. Welcome to Baku, the film version.
Alan, what do you think? First off, you mean you don't go back and listen to the old shows and see what we picked last time? Right? <laughs> Not always. <laughs> At least you did the research and found out which episode it was this time, unlike last time when we were flailing around trying to remember which episode it was. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that you use that smooth and seductive thing, but really because of reading through the, the booklet, there's quite a, a deep dive in the, in the booklet that comes with the CD that talks about how they try to use Electra's character to inform the soundtrack and, you know, that she goes from like potential victim to, as you said, when it gets to Baku, the romance between her and Bond, and then she becomes sort of more of the seductress trying to manipulate Bond and stuff. And I think this track is a, is a really good reflection of how they managed to pull that off, that it's still very Bondian. Like you said, it, it's a very complete Bond track, but it has that underlying resonance of Electra King, I think, throughout it uh, and her character. So I think they did a great job with it. And this is, I think, a really good example of how they managed to do that. Well said. Well said. Yeah, it, it just brings a lot of elements together. And I just I just like listening to it, especially when it picks up about halfway through. It just dig it. <laughs> I just do. I just do. And with that, let's get to my third and final pick. And I really like this one. It's track 18. And it's only myself to blame the demo track as sung by David Arnold. If you listened to our Royal Albert Hall special episode, that is where I discovered that David Arnold can sing and well. And he's going to show us that again here with the only myself to blame demo track. Now, it's a good reminder that David Arnold sings very, very well. And it was intended to be. The end credits track, although it not sung by him, sung by someone else. This is the demo track. But this was intended to be the end credits track when the film was originally going to end on a more of a sad note as Bond reflects on killing Electric King, a woman he actually trusted and had feelings for. Instead, we got the Christmas comes once a year in. <laughs> but hey, you can't win them all. And the producers, and I'm just guessing here, I suspect they were probably doing their best to avoid another downbeat on Her Majesty's Secret Service style ending. Well, at least until the Craig era comes along anyways. <laughs> but I've always been sort of fascinated by this tonal shift that they did with the ending of the movie. I've always liked the Only Myself to Blame track that only the truest of Bond fans have heard because it didn't make it into the movie. But let's give a listen to David Arnold's original demo of the song. From city to city, I still see your face. It follows me round all over the place. I shouldn't look back, but I do just the same, and I've only myself to blame I knew it was love but when you were young you think love must come again and again there's no greater fool in the Fool's Hall of Fame, and I've only myself to blame. 
should mention that the final version was sung by a dude named scott walker once again not a lot of people have heard it unless you're a big bond fan anyway alan yeah i was just gonna say it was scott walker walker brothers fame so who sang it but you got there ahead of me so oh well i'm unfamiliar with the walker brothers so really feel free oh. to tell me more if you want <laughs> go just type in walker brothers in uh, in spotify or something and listen to all right really, really cool stuff from the uh, from the 60s they were a trio i'm not sure if they're all brothers <laughs> um, I can't remember without actually going looking it up, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know my feelings about this movie. I actually wish they'd ended it on that downbeat ending. I don't like, when I watch this, rewatch this movie, that's where I stop watching it. After the, the uh, kills Electric King, I, that's where I turn it off. And I, I wish the movie had stopped there and they'd use this as the end credits and just left it at that. No stupid submarine Christmas jokes stuff. <laughs> You don't like the submarine part either? No, I do not. No. Oh, man. <laughs> I just think, you said, it's that complete tonal shift in the movie. It just puts me off. You know, after such a personal, high dramatic moment, I think going for the big spectacle ending just undermines it. So anyway, personal opinion. So yeah, as you said, I just love listening to David Arnold singing the songs that he's composed. He does such a great job. Uh, we'll have a listen to another one in a few more minutes. But I actually think I prefer... His vocal to Scott Walker's, to be honest. Oh, wow. He's a talented cat. What did he, he sang on the Royal Albert Hall. He sang, you know my name, didn't he? Yeah, yes. Oh, man, that was special. That he's, was yeah, he's, yeah, and he says he's, he would never let anybody else sing it but himself. So Yeah, yeah. that was good stuff. Yeah, dude, he's a talented, talented guy. But yeah, you know, thinking back on it, Alan, I think a good way to, and I know we're getting a little off track just talking about the movie. If it was up to me, I might have switched that around. I might have had him take care of the submarine first and then ended it with the killing of electric king because yeah it, yeah i think, think that would have made it, more sense yes yeah. yeah and then you could have had that little bit of a you know not as bright ending and and let bond sort of deal with that because we've talked several times about you know james bond is sort of famous for being an assassin and shooting people and if you go back to the movies he shoots and kills very few people but man did he not shoot and kill electric king well i don't know Brosnan has a pretty high body. Well, with the you know <laughs> with what I the mean, machine uh, guns, but yeah, but the, know what you mean. Up but, close and up close and personal. Up close and personal. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very few. Yeah, yeah. But man, <laughs> I forgot about Brosnan laying out fools like kitchen tile there. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's it for my picks. We could sit here and talk about how we'd rearrange the movie all night. Uh, I still enjoy the world's not enough, even with its goofy ending. But man, that oh, that, yep, don't get me wrong. I, I love the movie. Up until that last submarine <laughs> piece. Yeah, you can really just kind of tell it was like they didn't know how they wanted to close it. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, let's get to Alan's picks. 
All right. So as we said, there are 11 new tracks on this and Jared had three. So I'm going to do math again. That was movie date. So my first track is actually track 12, which is called Going Down the Bunker. If you remember back, there was a phase when I was picking all the dark, ominous tracks on the soundtrack. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so it's been a while since we've had a good ominous track on the show. So uh, I think this one has a pretty ominous feel to it. This version actually extends the original score cue by, uh, I think it's an additional three minutes I read. And I think it adds uh, more atmosphere and uh, action. And it has a really short, but I think really cool uh, rendition of the Bond theme towards the end which was not on the original soundtrack release back in 1999. So I think it's a fairly long track. It's about six minutes or so, I think, or maybe even a bit longer. So sit back and enjoy Going Down the Bunker, extended version.
Jared, what do you make of that? I miss the ominous days, man. They're back again. <laughs> that was it's very creepy and dark. Uh, it was to start with, wasn't it? And then it ramps up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it gets very high energy. And this is when he's like dangling from the chains and the explosion behind him and all that, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. High energy scene. Very good. Very cool stuff, man. Arnold, Arnold knows how to bring a lot of energy to big moments like that. And I think this is a good showcase of that. Yeah, but also build it, like you said, building atmosphere and stuff with the creepy mm-hmm. stuff at the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. So my second one takes us from the nuclear, well, that's easy for me to say, nuclear bunkers to uh, Caviar Factory. And that's actually the name of the next pick is Track 15, Caviar Factory. When I listened to this, I, I actually wrote a very quick one-liner in the script. I put, loving the funky riffs on the World is Not Enough theme interwoven with some action-driven cues. And then I actually found this great online review from somebody called Zanzibar, awesome online name. So I'm actually just going to quote directly from, from their review because I think it says it so much better. So my favorite word starts with ominous percussion. So there we go. Opens with the now extended caviar factory with some very John Barry-esque strings accompanying the background to further the increasingly 60s Bond style tone. Before long... Though the loud and dramatic David Arnold Brass makes his return with a loud, foreboding, and particularly villainous rendition of the new The World Is Not Enough theme. Fast-paced 90s percussion joins the fray, and the action then truly begins as the Bond theme arrives in all its glory, and we are treated to four minutes of pure orchestral heroism. I can't say it better than that.
So Jared was bopping. As soon as the Bond theme came on, he's, he's big grin on his face and he started bopping along. So. Oh, you did it again with the ominous intro. And then, man, when that Bond theme hit, man, Arnold knows how to bring it in. And just We said this a bunch of times, but this is the benefit of having a guy who just loves Bond. You know, he's not afraid to lean all the way into it, you know, and just be like, hey, I'm going to give the fans exactly what they want because I'm a fan. That's the way it feels like when Arnold does it. Like, I think there's a lot of composers that are like, you know, hey, I want to, I got the Bond gig, but, you know, I still want to retain my identity and all that. And that's fine. But they're like, you know, I'm, I'm going to shy away from using too much of the tropes. It's like, and Arnold's like, nah, man, trope, 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 <laughs> trope. Yeah. And I'm going to crank it up to 11. And I love him for it. I love him for it. <laughs> but he does it with his own distinctive style, too. Yeah, so. yeah. It's yeah. still, it's still unique to him, but he, I swear he references, uh, you know, other Bond music more than any other composers. I, I don't have facts to back that up, but it just feels like he does. I would definitely go along with that. Definitely go along with it. I did find it interesting reading that review. It talks about four minutes of pure orchestral heroism, but the track's actually six minutes long, which makes me wonder if he didn't like the first two minutes. He was just talking about once the Bond theme kicks in. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But yeah, it, once it kicks in, it it goes all out. And I love yeah. it. I love it, too. And it's actually one of my favorite sequences in the movie, too. So It's a darn good one. All right. So if you've been listening carefully, you've heard us. Uh, Jared said that he picked a demo track and hoped I would pick the other one. And then I said we'd get to it later. And we each get three picks. And I picked two. So guess what the third pick is? It is the second of the two demo tracks. This is another example of David Arnold's vocal skills and a great behind-the-scenes look at how a title theme is developed. I'm presented for consideration for this is David Arnold singing his demo of The World Is Not Enough theme song. Um, there's an excellent discussion in the CD booklet with both David Arnold and lyricist Don Black on the development of the song. And how for this one, because he told he would get the title song, he could actually do score development early because he could develop a title song that could then influence the score because they don't normally start working on the score until they've actually got footage. But they don't need footage to do the song, so they started working on the song very early, and then how basically the song became the foundation of the score later on. So fascinating interview sequence of interviews in the CD booklet that goes into the uh, the story behind this. So it's interesting to listen to it just as a this is how a title song is developed and presented as a demo. But actually, once you know the story behind it, I think it sort of gives it another level of of interest. So let's give a listen to David Arnold singing his demo version of The World Is Not Enough title song. Oh 
Oh, I've got plenty of thoughts. I'm so glad you picked it. I really like the theme song, The World's Not Enough by Garbage, quite a bit. It's just got a big sound to it. And to hear it stripped down like this, like it's basically David Arnold and like his Casio keyboard, you know, <laughs> it's it's very interesting. It's it's kind of like what we were saying about the gun barrel separate elements. It's just sort of this deconstruction, this sort of where did it come from? And you can hear all the elements in there. My favorite part was the alternate lyrics after um, I know how to hurt and know how to heal. The next verse was um, oh, he knows how to sigh and he knows how to scream and make you part of the dream. That's not in the song as we know it. So it was, it's just a neat thing to see the evolution, to see where this is where it started. And those, those were cool lyrics, by the way. Like, it's just kind of neat to see, you know, Don Black may have some influence coming in. And of course, you get that real big orchestral sound behind it. And then Shirley Manson just puts her vocal stamp on it and it just becomes amazing. And it was al- it was already really cool in the demo. So it just so much fun to look at how these things are built. It is. But it, I found it interesting that this was searching for the right word. It may not be the right word, but I felt it was more of a strained performance by David Arnold. Because if you read a lot of the interviews, he pretty much knew he wanted Garbage to do the song pretty much from day one. And I think it's sort of written for Shirley Manson's vocal technique and her phrasing, which I don't think quite suits his voice as well as it did on the other song, or um, You Know My Name really suits the way he sings. This one felt a bit more of a strained performance, but I think that's because it's not written for him, if you like. Right, right. 
I may be wrong about that, but that's just what, you know, to my uneducated ear, that's sort of what it, it felt like. But having said that, from a, as you said, from a deconstruction, understanding the background, how these things are put together, how these demos are put together and, you know, sung. Cause it's interesting. If you go back into the history of some of the other ones, like when John Barry would sing, he'd quite often get another singer to sing the demo. It was not going to be the eventual singer. Like Anthony Newley did a couple and um, things like that, you know, but they were not like Anthony Newley did the demo for Goldfinger, but he wasn't the, the singer in, in the end. I think I may be misremembering. Exactly. That. No, I think you're but, right. Yeah, I just find it very interesting to have the composer actually do that himself and listen to these this very early bare bones version of the song, as you said before, or the orchestral development. You know, no disrespect to David Arnold, but before the stronger voice is added to it. So yeah, uh, fascinating. Like I say, I, I like these CDs with the additional music, right? As per what we talked about uh, earlier in the show, I'd really love to get more of this sort of deconstruction behind the scenes type stuff. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what I was about to say. As soon as our good friends at La La Land Records, who are soon to be sponsors of the show, I just know it. Oh. <laughs> uh, my message to them would be more of this. I think some producers of musical CDs like, like La La Land do, they want that high quality and all that stuff. I don't mind these quote unquote lower quality peek behind the curtain. I want to hear this early stuff. I want to see where it came from. I want to hear these early tracks. I want to hear this unpolished stuff. So keep it coming, Ballerland Records. Those two demo tracks were probably my favorite part of the additional music. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That and the, the gun barrel, I think, were. Yeah. Again, yeah. another deconstruction. Give us yeah. more behind the scenes. Don't worry about, you know, get the audio quality as good as you can or whatever, but don't worry about the lack of polish. It's early stage stuff. That's what us Bond, especially Bond music nerds want to hear. We want to hear that where it all came from. Absolutely. Yep. All right, Alan, it is now time for us to rate this. We rate these CDs that we discussed on a scale of one to seven. Seven means you loved it and it was just amazing and it was perfect. And you need to have this in your library all the way down to one, which means, you know, you don't have to own this. You don't need to even play this. <laughs> I don't know that we've ever had one on the show, I think we flirted with some lower numbers before. But I don't know that we've ever had a one. So, well, we're really in the realm of soundtracks. And as Alan, I'm sure will remind you, <laughs> all of our soundtracks are like required listening, right? Those are sevens. David Earl shaken and stirred. We gave that one a seven. We figured that's essential listening. So, how you feeling on this one, Alan? Is this, is this that seven essential listening, or or what, what do you what do you got? I think if you're a casual Bond fan who's sort of interested in this thing, you can have the the basic soundtrack the 1999 release soundtrack and be quite happy with it this is probably like you said it's it's expensive even prior to it being sold out it's not you know not cheap i mean for me yes it's definitely a seven i think for you it's a definitely a seven for the average bond fan probably i'd say it's a six i think i'd give it a six i think if you're into the bond music if you're really into the bond music definitely a seven if you're into the behind the scenes stuff i give it an eight <laughs> but for the average Bond fan, yeah, I don't think it's something that you have to own. It's not like it's, you know, it must be in your library, but I think you would find it very interesting if you did. So um, I think it's a six. A hundred percent agree. A hundred percent agree. I was thinking if you're into the Bond music, which if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you are, then yeah, it may be worth going and plunking down that 50, 60 eBay dollars to have it 
sitting on your shelf. But you know what? Casual listener, six, same. Same as Alan. We are in lockstep, sir. Good. That's great to hear for once. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Bond Music, Six of the Best. Got a question or a comment? You can email us at ohmspod at outlook.com or comment on Twitter, x at ohmspod. And don't forget to subscribe to the Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And if you can leave a rating or a review too, that would be great. If you'd like to chat with us personally on social media, I can be found at Bond Lexicon on Twitter X and uh, James Bond Lexicon on Tumblr and Instagram. And you can always find me via the James Bond Lexicon.online website, which is the companion website to the James Bond Lexicon book which I haven't plugged in a while, so I thought I'd get that one in there again. Okay, Jared, where can folks find you on the interwebs? I am at Yard Sale Artists on X and Facebook and Instagram, and you can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com, and I have not plugged my James Bond book page sketches in a while, but there's uh, <laughs> there's a set available at www.theyardsaleartist.com. A very fine they look too. There's actually a lineup of them right here in my office. Thank you, sir, for the uh, that's a customer review right there. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you guys for joining us for this episode. This episode's tracks are from the 2018 album The World Is Not Enough, limited edition from La La Land Records. As always, we like to remind you to legally purchase your Bond music via official download channels or, of course, on CD, vinyl, cassette, whatever it takes. Just make sure you're supporting the Bond creative community. We will be back with six of the best and it'll be Alan's pick. And it looks like he's picked a little something called Phoenix Rising 007 by Rich Douglas. Very interesting looking projects and sounding projects it is too. So looking forward to diving into that next time around. All right. Well, we will see you guys on the next episode and uh, take care and we'll be back. Bye. Bye. Bye.